able to just play. I have plenty of things I can't do. We'll add that to the list, but what a blessing. I'm, I'm so grateful for her sharing that with us. Uh, we're going to start a new series this morning. Uh, next week, Logan is going to share her and a friend, her testimony. But I want to start a series on handling problems. Someone has said, I got problems, you got problems, we got problems, all God's children got problems. It says in Proverbs 17, 17, a brother is born for adversity. Jesus said in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And what we want to look at this morning is what I call the essential element in handling problems. And we're going to be spending a lot of time in Proverbs this morning. I, I want to open up for our reading, Proverbs chapter 1. And for our reading, I want to read the first seven verses. So I'm going to ask you to stand in God's honor as we read aloud those verses. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Let's pray. Lord, here we are. There are a lot of people who are hurting today, and I believe they're even in the sanctuary now, Lord. You have promised adversity comes with this life. You have said, Lord, that in this world you'll have problems, but you've also said, take heart, I've overcome the world. And so we come to you, Lord. We need you. I pray this morning, Father, as we look at this essential ingredient, this element in handling adversity, Lord, that you might speak to us about wisdom, Lord. And uh, Father, we just need you. God, uh, have your way this morning, Lord. In your name we ask these things. Amen. It's good that you guys are here and, you know... And, uh, Another time to worship, another message. <laughs> but it, it's not enough just to hear a sermon. It, it, it's not enough just to have Bible knowledge set before you. Sermons, uh, Bible studies, they're kind of like maps. They point you where you need to go. They give you an idea of where the location is you need to be. But you still have to get there. You still have to take the trip. You still have to go through the journey. And, and, and so it is with, with God's truth, God's word. It has to become a personal part of your life. It has to be applied for you to gain the benefit, to gain the blessing. And as we face life's problems, God's word has to become a pivotal part of how I make decisions. My destination because if it is not, I'll end up where I don't want to be. 
Um, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. I just want to read a couple of verses real quick. In Hebrews 5, we have a picture of some believers who have chosen not to walk in wisdom. He says, we have much to say about this, but it's hard to explain because you're slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid foods for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Notice as he talks here, he talks about, you guys ought to be on solid meat by now, but you're, you're still on just the milk of God's Word. You, you know, there's a difference between growing old in the Lord and growing up in the Lord. We're not going to be forever young, but we can be forever immature. And God calls us, guys, to grow up, to become mature. And when we don't, we put ourselves in a position to miss God's blessings and His best for our lives. You, you see, it tells us in James 1, a familiar verse many of us, be not hearers only, but doers of the Word of God. In the version I memorize, do not merely listen to the Word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Hey, man, you need to apply His truth. Um... That's so critical. You know, you go to a doctor, and the doctor says, "Well, you got this, uh, you got this tumor, and it's it's cancerous." But uh, we'll, you know, come back and we'll talk about it some more. No way, dude. You want to get rid of that tumor because you don't want it to spread. You know, you don't want it in your body. It's poison. It's it's going to take you out of here if you don't deal with it. So, with God's word, it's to be applied. It's not just to be listened to. It's to be heard from the heart and become a part of our lives. Um. Uh, years ago on the Merv Griffin show, they had this bodybuilder. And, uh, man, this guy was huge. And he came on there and, and he said, I just want to know, why do you have all those muscles? And the bodybuilder goes... And he says, what are those muscles for? And he goes... He says, no, I... I, I t why do you have those muscles? And he just... You see, he didn't know what to say. To him, he was just to perfect his pose in front of an admiring, adoring audience. But guys, that's not why we have Bible study. That's not why we sit under God's Word. It's not enough just so you can get the correct posture and pose to be spiritual. It's so that God can strengthen us to be effective in His kingdom work. So that we can serve God and so that we can not simply grow old in the Lord, but grow up in the Lord so that we can mature in Him. That's all critical. Now, let's actually look at the text here. In chapter 1, we see who wrote the book of Proverbs. This section, he says, the Proverbs of Solomon. Solomon, the, the smartest guy who ever lived, the wisest guy. He, he was uh, extremely wealthy, but we know that didn't keep him from um, having problems. And, and from experiencing some, some painful times and making some wrong decisions. But I want you to look in here, these next couple of verses that give us reasons for these Proverbs, why we should study them. He says, for attaining wisdom and discipline. He's saying, so you can learn from God's perspective. 
a definition of wisdom I've often used is the application of spiritual truth and knowledge. It's not enough just to have it in your head. It's not just a bunch of facts that you're to memorize. It's, it's not just something that, you know, you take a test and mark it off and put it on a shelf. God's truth, God's word needs to become personalized and internalized and, and so that we see things from God's perspective. Secondly, uh, to learn to discern the sayings of understanding. Notice what he says here, for understanding words of insight. Wisdom is how we're to respond, whereas understanding is how we're to react. How, how when the problems come, how we're to respond to, how we're to react to them, how, how we're supposed to use God's truth. It is taking His truth and, and doing it God's way. And third here is to receive instruction for prudent behavior. Notice what he says here. He says, verse 4, For giving prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. He says earlier, uh, doing what's right, just and fair. I don't think it's by accident that he mixes the young with the simple. A teacher can, uh, experience can be a cruel teacher. And when you're young, you just haven't had that experience. And he's saying here, if you want to miss a lot of the pain, if you want to miss a lot of those decisions and regrets where you say, man, why did I do that? Attain wisdom. Seek understanding. Get God's viewpoint. Get His perspective. Learn that and, and, and go there. And, and that's how you deal with problems. That's where you go. Now, let's drop down to verse 20 as we look in this chapter. It says, Wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out in the gateways of the city. She makes her speech. So, what is this saying here? First, this is, God doesn't play hide and go seek, guys. He makes wisdom available. If you want to know wisdom, if you want to know God's perspective, if, if you want to know what He thinks, you can attain that. It's available in, his, in the Scripture, in His Word. You, you, you get His thinking, you get His heart. Uh, second truth here, you look at is you can spurn that. You can miss that truth. Uh, notice what he says here, verse 24, he says, But since you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke. God doesn't twist your arm. He doesn't force you to act wisely. Man, if you want to step outside of His will and His ways and His word, you can do it. There's a price to be paid for that. But you can go there. He doesn't force you to go there. That's not how God works. Matter of fact, he goes on down through here. And, 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 and notice in verse 26, the result of that. He says, I in turn will laugh at your disaster. This is wisdom speaking. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When calamity overtakes you like a storm. When disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind. When distress and trouble overwhelm you. It says, then they'll call out to me, but I'll not answer. They'll look for me, but will not find me. <laughs> what's, it, what's he saying here in, in the text here? He's saying, 
Man, don't be surprised when your world falls apart, when the walls come crashing down, when everything's chaos. You left God out. You ignored His perspective, and now you're hurting. It's, it's really not that complicated. When, when you don't see things from God's viewpoint, you open yourself up to be free game. And, and that's what He's saying here. Don't let that happen. Don't let the fruit of that uh, be what transpires. Um, he goes down here, he says, he, he says, they'll call to me, I'll not answer. And let me say here something that's very critical. It's something I want you to understand. Wisdom is something that happens over time. It's not a one-time decision, okay? Often what happens, you see people, their marriages are falling apart. Their lives are in disarray. And they come, and what do they want? They want an immediate answer. They want some great nugget of truth to be dropped that'll make all the pain go away and that their marriage will just be fixed like that. It doesn't work that way. You can't have years of erosion and have a strong foundation. And so in order for that to change and to turn in the Lord, you begin to have to start rebuilding that foundation. And it takes time. It, it takes making decisions that, that's wise in, in following God and in going His direction. And, and, and I guess that's my prayer with you. You know, be building on that today. Because what you build today is going to be the foundation you have tomorrow. Years down the road. It's something that happens over time. And, and that's so critical. Um, I read about this one guy, and he would, he would fight with his son about cleaning his room. Man, it was a constant fight. And, and he ended up joining the Marine Corps. And you know, a few years later when he came home, his dad said, Son, what did you learn in the Marine Corps? He said, Dad, what I learned more than anything else is when, when they say now, they mean now. <laughs> and, and so does God. I said, well, I'll start obeying him tomorrow. I'll, I'll start seeing things your way tomorrow, God. I'll start making decisions that, that go with you, God, tomorrow. Uh, a good example of this is Samson. The Scripture tells us for about 20 years he was a judge doing all this great stuff. But in the meantime, he had been living a life that wasn't wise on the side. <laughs> Bad relationships. Then he ended up at a harlot, then he ended up with Delilah. You guys know what happened. He got the big haircut, lost his strength, ended up having his eyes gouged out, ended up chained to this mill, and he, you know, he's, he's turning this big mill, and, and uh, his world's falling apart. And as one eloquent preacher said, more than me, more up with me, he said, sin blinds, sin grinds, and sin binds. And that was Solomon. I mean, not Solomon. Samson. That was Samson. That's, that's what happened in his life. And that's what can happen in our lives as well. Now, there is a key verse here in verse 22 that describes three type of people that reject wisdom. And I want to look at this, guys, because these are three critical types of people. And I think there are levels here, too. There's the simple, there's the mocker, and there's the fool. And to be one of these three is a recipe for disaster. And so I want to look at these uh, in our time that remains because they are so critical. Uh, the first one we'll look at is the simple. But let's look at verse 22. He says, How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate 
knowledge. First, he says, simple ones. That word simple, uh, actually in, in the original language, means wide open. And it has the picture of a swinging door that just swings open and closed freely. In other words, uh, there's nothing stopping it from moving any direction it wants to go. You know, as, as Paul said in Ephesians 4.14, yeah, don't be deceived by every wind of doctrine that just blows you all over the place, every wave that just blows you to and fro. You've know, you got to have a foundation. Don't be simple-minded where you're easily led and easily misled. And, and that's the warning here. Um, turn over me to Proverbs chapter 7. We're going to look at a couple of examples here. Uh, in chapter 7, there's a warning against the adulteress. He comes, uh, verse 4, he says, Say to wisdom, you're my sister. Call understanding your kinsman. They'll keep you from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words. He says, At the window of my house, I looked out through the lattice. I saw among the simple. I noticed among the young men a youth who lacked judgment. So here was a guy that was wide open. You know, I'm not worried about the consequences. I see something I want, and I'm, I'm open and ready for it, man. I'll swing that direction. It says, He was going down the street near her corner, walking along in the direction of her house at twilight at the day, as the day was fading, as the dark of night set in. It says, There out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent, loud and defiant, feet never stay at home. <laughs> Verse 13 says, She took hold of him, kissed him, and with a brazen face... I fellowship offerings at home today. I fulfilled my vows. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you. I found you. I've covered my bed with colored linens from Egypt. <laughs> anyway, she goes down and says, Come, let's drink of deep love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. Um, being simple-minded, not looking at the far-reaching consequences. What, what's going to happen as a result of that kind of decision? And it goes on chapter 9 uh, I just dropped down to verses 16 and 17. It talks about what happens when folly rules our lives. Uh, he says, Let all who are simple come in here. She says to those who lack judgment, Stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. <laughs> uh, missing out. And, and then 14.15 speaks about the simple. He says, A simple man believes anything. But a prudent man gives thought to his steps. A simple man believes anything. But a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Don't, you know, another word for that is just gullible. Don't be gullible. Don't believe everything that you hear. Give thought to your steps. Don't just walk blindly. Think about it before you do it. Don't be simple. All right, one more here. 22.3. He says, a prudent man sees danger and takes refuge, but the simple keep going and suffer for it. So what's he saying here? He's saying, you know, he makes, the, he makes that error of judgment, but he keeps doing it. He keeps going. He doesn't learn from it. He keeps doing it again and again. He says, don't be simple-minded like that. Don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and that's why it's good to have people that have been around the block. Because I know none of us like to be corrected. None of us like to say, 
I don't want to listen to him. Oh, he's so boring. Such a prude. He doesn't know where I am, what I'm like. But don't be unteachable. Listen to people. Maybe they've got something to say that'll help you. I love the story of the bank president that was retiring, and he, uh, the, the new guy came in, and he wanted to get some wisdom. And so he said to the man who had served as bank president for many years, he said, I need advice. What is advice you can give me that will help me in this job? And he said, two words. Yeah, what are they? He said, good decisions. He said, well, okay, um, how do I make good decisions? He said, experience. He goes, okay. So how do I get experience? He said, bad decisions. <laughs> Isn't that true? So often, so often, guys, when you come to someone and they're giving you advice, they've made bad decisions. And they said, I don't want you to suffer like I suffered. Or maybe they've watched somebody else make bad decisions. Sometimes it doesn't have to be me, but somebody I know. And it's like, man, I, I saw that person make those decisions, and now they're suffering. I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to suffer in that way. All right, second person here that's mentioned is the mocker. Um, that's in this verse. And uh, he, he says, How long will mockers delight in mockery? This is the one, uh, the word means to reject with vigorous attempt, to refuse, show disdain, to be disgusted. Man, this is the one who is always critical, always argumentative, you know? Proverbs 9, 7 says, Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man incurs abuse. He goes on, he says, um, He who corrects... Um, he, let's see. Let me get the verse here to quote it here. Proverbs uh, 9, 9 or 8. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. He says, Rebuke a wise man and he will be wiser still. In other words, the person who's a mocker, the person who's argumentative, the person who is always negative, listen, don't get involved. Don't get, don't start talking back to them. Don't get angry. Don't respond because it never comes out well. Don't do it. I'll give you an example. This is embarrassing, but it's true. I was in college, had a cold, got up one day, just did not want to comb my hair. And back then I had more hair. So it was kind of messed up. But I was in one of those moods. Don't confront me. It is dangerous. Don't come near me. And there was this guy. And he was just one of those argumentative people. He was one of those people that just kind of drove me nuts anyway, just to be honest about it. Well, he came up to me. I was eating breakfast. And he started in on me. What's wrong with your hair? Why didn't you comb your hair? Why do you look like that? What's wrong with you? I was just getting madder and madder. Good thing I wasn't holding a salt shaker. It probably went flying, salt everywhere. I looked at him and I just said, I mentioned his name. I said, you need to be quiet. I said, if you don't shut up, I'm going to break you like a stick. Now, I don't recommend that. That was wrong, okay? But the whole point is don't get suckered into that. Because it can make you angry. And that's what happens with mockers. Um, all right, the last one here, look at here, is the fool. 
Notice in 22, it says, Fools hate knowledge. A psalm, we're actually going to look at one of the psalms. Psalm 14, verse 1. Somehow I got all the way back to Job. Let's see. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. Their deeds are vile. There is no one who does good. When we see the fool in the Bible, he says in his heart, there's no God. He lives as if God doesn't exist. There's, you know, no divine consequences for what he does. God's not there. So it doesn't matter. And notice what it says. It says these type people are corrupt. Uh, they're vile. Their deeds are vile. Not good. Uh, in their behavior. Um, this is a fool. Living as if God doesn't matter. Uh, turn me back to Proverbs 14. Go from Psalm 14 to Proverbs 14. Verse 8, it says, The wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways. But the folly of fools is deception. In other words, fools are known for not being honest. You can't trust what they say. Lying is just second nature to them. <laughs> They're quick to, to say things that just aren't true. And what they say, and you get to where you're not even sure what they're saying has any truth to it. Then he goes on in verse 9. He says, Fools mock at making amends for sin, but goodwill is found among the upright. In other words, um, man, they're just so negative about dealing with sin. There's nothing wrong with that. You don't understand. You're just so closed-minded. You're just so mean. There's nothing wrong with this. They, they want to make excuses for their sin and, and for their behavior. And, and, and even though it goes against God, they're, they're not open. They don't want to listen. Um, that's, that's the heart that's displayed um, with those who mock. And then 10.23 of Proverbs, he says, A fool finds pleasure in evil conduct, but a man of understanding delights in wisdom. In other words, uh, evil conduct, folly, it's like a hobby, man. It's a, you know, something you do in your spare time. It, it, it's something they pursue, something that's enjoyed. This is, this is foolish behavior um, that continues. And then 1521, he says, Folly delights a man who lacks judgment, but a man of understanding keeps a straight course. You know, I thought of that in contrast. There's a verse in Psalms that says, delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Where do you delight yourself? Do you delight yourself in living as if God doesn't matter, He doesn't exist, there's no divine consequences, or do you delight yourselves in the Lord? It says if you delight yourself in the Lord, you find that the desires of your heart are fulfilled. There's such a contrast there. So, and, and you know, this has uh, this type of folly, it has nothing to do with your IQ. It has more to do with the choices you're making in your life. It's not how smart you are, it's how stupid you're being. That's what it's talking about here. 
It's just foolishness. Uh, one more proverb here. 19 verse 3. It says, A man's own folly ruins his life, yet his heart rages against the Lord. Man, what a verse. Man, folly, like I said, a man says in his heart, there's no God. That's the folly, and it ruins his life. He lives without taking God into account in the decisions he makes. He lives not thinking about, what is this going to do to me five years down the road, ten years down the road, one year down the road? How is this going to affect me? It ruins his life because he doesn't pay attention to that. He doesn't look there. And look what it says, his heart rages against the Lord. Man, that's like these atheists that are spending all this time being mad at God and, and striking out. If God doesn't exist, why are you so mad at Him? You know, you ever thought about that? I don't get mad at cartoons. Just a thought. Not much, I know, but just a thought. So uh, let me wrap this thing up. So why should we not just head into the carnal corral? <laughs> I mean, you know, at first it does feel good. Don't ever believe someone says sin doesn't feel good. It does. The problem is it ends up killing you in a lot of ways. But uh, just uh, Ecclesiastes 7, 11 through 14 as I close. Ecclesiastes 7, 11 through 14. It says, Wisdom is like an inheritance. It's a good thing and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter, as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. Now, two points as I close with this, with the benefits of wisdom. First, it talks about an inheritance here in verse 11. It says, wisdom, it's like an inheritance. You know, good thing. You know, you benefit. And how? Verse 12 tells us. Wisdom is a shelter. You know, we, we say we want to put aside money for retirement and have that kind of shelter. But this is a different kind of shelter. It's the shelter of your future that comes from the decisions you make now as they build up. And he says it's a shelter to walk in wisdom. It's a shelter to walk close to God. And the advantage is it preserves the life of its possessor. How often do we make decisions that hurt us? God doesn't have to bring judgment. We do a good job walking into it, to the judgment, by being foolish, by being simple, by mocking. <laughs> we, we, we miss Him. And, and He says, don't do this. Uh, the, the writer of Proverbs, and here in Ecclesiastes, he says, God wants to protect you. He doesn't want to hurt you. I had a great conversation with somebody yesterday, and I was talking about, to him about in Psalm 37, this guy, it, it says, um, trust in the Lord, dwell in good pasture. 
And I was telling him, you know, God's truth, God's word, it's like a safe pasture. And, you know, God's not this big meanie that wants to hurt you. And, he, you know, he just, God don't want me to do anything fun. God's not like that. His word is a safe pasture because once you get out of this pasture, there are predators. You can get hurt bad. He wants to protect you. It's a shelter. Second thing here, um, as I close, is it gives us divine perspective. Look what he says here. He says, who can straighten what he's made crooked? Um, when you walk with God, when you are in his wisdom, it gives you a, a divine perspective you do not have otherwise. Only God can provide that perspective. You don't get it anywhere else. <laughs> you don't get it through any kind of human advice. It comes only from the Holy One. And John G. Patton, the missionary, was last 10 years of his life, he was uh, in bed. He was bedridden. And a friend came a couple of days before his death. He said, you've had a painful time. I know you're bound to have asked, why have you been bedridden for so long? And all he did was point up, and he said, well, the good thing about always being on your back is it forces you to look up. We need that. God's perspective. I, I have this problem with my car. I'm, I'm not real smart at mechanical things. You all have heard this for years. But I have a problem often. I'll forget to check my tires. And if my car's out of alignment, sometimes they'll wear out on the inside. And, you know, unless I have the wheel turned, I don't know on the inside that they're worn out. And, you know, I did that one time with my truck. And, and man, the tires were really messed up. And I was mad. But it was my fault. Because I didn't check the alignment. And over time, it ruined the tread on my tires. In a similar fashion, we need to stop and we need to inspect our lives. Am I in alignment with God's word, his truth? Am I walking in wisdom? Because if I'm not walking in wisdom, the tread of my life is going to disappear until I blow some kind of flat whether it's in a relationship or it's in health or money or whatever, to not walk in God's ways is disastrous. And so as I open this up, we're going to look at some specific problems um, in the next few weeks. Not every problem specifically mentioned in the Bible, but there's certainly a series of some we can look at that relate to many of us. But this opening message deals with all of that. It all comes back to God. It comes back to his wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Christ is our wisdom. Man, when I'm talking about wisdom, I'm talking about Jesus. And so as I come to this thing, it, it comes back to, have you trusted him to begin with? Because if you're living a life where Jesus does not live in you and guide you by his spirit and help you, there's no hope, just to be quite honest about it. The Bible's clear. Then maybe he, he is your savior. But for whatever reason, your tires are getting worn out because you haven't had an alignment recently. <laughs> you had not gotten down with his word and let him work on your heart to align you up with him. So we have invitation for that too, maybe to come and to pray. Maybe there's some type of decision that needs to be made before the body of Christ this morning. I just encourage you to come. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for allowing us to take some time to look at your word. Father, uh, I don't want to be simple. I don't want to be a mocker. I certainly don't want to be foolish. 
I want to be wise, Lord. I want to be a man of understanding. And I believe that's how we all feel. And so, Father, work in our lives. Help us to be honest. Maybe someone here hasn't taken that first step and said, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Live in my heart. Make me new. Give me courage to step out and to show people that I'm yours and I want to be baptized. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're here and, and you belong to him, but maybe outside of church other people wouldn't know it. Your life's not in alignment with him. My guess is the tread's coming off your life. And Father, I pray that you get a hold of us, Lord. <laughs> Line us up. And Father, do your work, Lord. Um, it doesn't matter if people remember me or any person here, but it's everything if they don't know Jesus. And so I just pray about that, Lord. We, we want you to be known in this place, and we need to make you known. And so do that, Lord. And that be a part of us, Lord. And just work. In your name we pray. Amen.